You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Hello Wincom podcast. Jared Sandler, happy to be with you. Alongside former Major Leaguer Mike Bassick. All right, Mikey, what are, we, uh, what are we talking about here this morning? I think this has gotten off to about as bad of a start as you could have wanted or not wanted. Uh, I know they've won two games, and it looked good to start off, but now you're literally scoring zero runs the last two games. Uh, your pitching has failed you, and Matt Bush had a big hiccup. At least it was 3-1. to one. The Rangers were losing, so it didn't really affect uh, the win-loss, but I think at this point they're showing that all their fatal flaws, also I, their defense has been horrible Gosh, the last yeah. four or five days. So this is one of the worst defensive teams in Major League Baseball, and it's showing itself right now. This is a team that struggles getting the last nine outs of a ball game. Uh, it hasn't shown that, but it also hasn't really had the opportunities to show it since the first few games. And this team relies on hitting a home run. It's really... Almost the only way they can score uh, in a lump sum where they can put a, a crooked number on the board is it has to be by a two- or three-run homer. They cannot, it seems like, string together four or five hits in an inning to give you two to four runs in an inning. It's, uh, yeah, this has been rough. I mean, especially with the way they started the second half with two wins against the Royals. And what I think we would say were well-played games, even though they weren't wrought with offense. Uh, and then the way the finale of that series ended and then what they've done against the Orioles. I mean, it, you know, it's not like... I think the frustrating part is, uh, you know, they've had some good starts over this four-game losing streak. They've had a few they haven't been able to take advantage of. Uh, the Tyson Ross start obviously was not that great. Uh, but... They haven't been doing anything with the bats against a team that has struggled to get guys out all year. And and this listen, this is yeah. the way baseball works. And it's coming at a horrible time for the Rangers. But these things these things do happen. You go through a season, there's gonna be a series where you look at the matchup and you say, This team's gonna score a lot of runs, and they don't, or this team's gonna uh give up a lot of runs, and they don't. That's the way this weird game works. Unfortunately for the Rangers, it's coming in what likely is going to end up being the judgment series of the year. Yeah, let me just hit you with the hard one here. If you were the general manager of the Texas Rangers, and today we're sitting here talking about this after losing three in a row to the Orioles, four, four in a row overall, somebody calls you on you, Darvish, and they offer you a trade that you would take if you were eight games out right now of the wild card spot, you would take it. You would say, that's a good deal for us, we're taking it. I like the people we're getting back in this deal. But right now you're only three and a half out still. As crazy as that sounds and as bad as you've played the last four, you're only three and a half out. 
Would you do that deal today where the Rangers stand three and a half out, or would you still hold? So, okay, let's say there's the threshold of where you go from saying no to a deal to yes to a deal. Yeah. And then there's the, I just got blown away. Like, this is ridiculous. We are stealing these prospects. It would have to be somewhere in between for me to do it today. Now, if the Rangers lose tonight and all of a sudden are five games under 500, and let's say they are four and a half back, uh, then all that that bar becomes a little bit lower. Yeah. But I will tell you today, uh-huh. one thing, and I said this on the post game last night, Mike. Today, I am listening a little more clearly on everyone than I might have been listening two days ago. Two days ago, I might have said, "Hey, you like you call me and say, yeah. Mike, hey, I appreciate it. You maybe check back in a few days. Right now, we're just focused on you know trying to get back into this wild card race. We're really not." Uh, having discussions about you know selling, but today I might say, all right, yeah, let me hear what you have to offer. How about this hypothetical along with what I just gave you? If the team says, look, if you don't want to do it today, we have another trade that we like and probably can say yes to, but we wanted to give you a last chance to say yes because this is the one we want. So you would feel like this deal would go away. It's not the blowaway deal, but it's a really good deal. You're liking it not totally in love with it, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what they're giving us, would you still let that pass and feel like in the next 10 days, if it keeps going bad, that another team would offer you something similar to what you would be turning down? So this is not an indication as to whether or not I think this team should buy or sell because right now at four games under, uh, even if they're three and a half back at four games under, it's awfully tough to justify you know, a, an aggressive buying period. However, unless you're in love with the deal right now, I think you wait. I'm, I think I'm with you too because if, if and this is all hypothetical, there's no deal on the table right now, is if you were John Daniels and you pulled the trigger today and traded you Darvish today before the Cole Hamill start, I think the fans would be furious. I, I don't think people would understand because they would say, look, you're only three and a half out. It almost needs to be what you're talking about. Five plus games under 500, five games or more out of the second wild card spot. I think for a lot of Ranger fans to understand what the Rangers are doing. And I I think that matters. It really matters kicking off your fan base or not. Yeah, no, I listen, I agree. And that's a, an element here that's not quantifiable in an era in which so much of baseball conversation revolves around stuff that is objective and quantifiable. You know, there are there are things that go into this that aren't necessarily quantifiable. And, you know, we're not talking about, by the way, the difference between the Rangers being able to get two top 50 prospects or one. It's not like they're sacrificing that. That's where the, hey, if you love the deal you make it comes into play. We're talking about the Rangers, if they were to pull the trigger on a deal today, getting a top 50 prospect, and let's just, I'm throwing out a random number, prospect 133 versus next week, a top 50 prospect and prospect 148. You know, like that's that's the, the difference in a deal that they wouldn't do today but might do next week. If if someone came to me and was like, man, we hey, we'll give you... 26 and 47. Yeah. Uh okay, hold on. Wait a second. Let's let's talk here. You know that so they're not I don't think the Rangers by waiting a, a few extra days are compromising their future, but I do think that with everything that's gone on the last few days punctuated by last night, yeah. they're now 
they're listening with a wider ear. Yeah. Uh, even if they don't have their hand on the trigger yet, uh, I think that hand is starting to approach. I also believe uh, I saw Ken Rosenthal last night tweet out that the market for position players is really bad. The return for trading a position player right now is really bad. So Ranger fans, I'm just throwing this out there. Trading LaCroix, Napoli, Gomez, I'm just naming one-year guys that are going to be free agents at the end of the year. It sounds like from the people that really are in the know that you're not going to get much right now for position players. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing too is that you know I think we'd all like to believe the best when it comes to the return we could get for a player. Like, yeah, you know, this guy, this team needs this. They'll be willing to give us, you know, great prospect A for him. But, you know, it's so tough to predict the market. The one thing that could work in the Rangers' favor is if a team becomes desperate. But outside of that, it's just, it doesn't look like the Rangers are going to be able to pull in a, you know, a King's ransom for these guys. However, I will say this, Mike, you, you mentioned his name earlier. One guy who really intrigues me, and I've been down on him all year, but he's looked really good of late, and he starts tonight is Cole Hamels. Oh, and the really reason good. he, I mean, he he's looked outstanding, and the reason why he intrigues me is because unlike you, Darvish, he's got an extra year of control. Yeah, and you know, this I, is the tough part, right? Because he's pitched so well. Do you say, oh, wait a second, he's pitching great again? We want to keep him because we have him next year, or do you say? At a baby Cole, you just are doing something here to really raise your trade value. And, you know, the Rangers really have to say, is Cole Hamels the guy that started the year or is Cole Hamels the guy the last three starts? Because if he's the guy that started the year or the guy that finished the year last year, you move him. Yeah. And this is the really tough part because these are tough discussions when you're trading a veteran guy because there's going to be different opinions in the room. Oh, absolutely. Some people are going to believe that Cole Hamels is the guy that can still put up a low three, high two ERA, win you 15 plus games for the next few years. And some guys in the room are going to say, man, I think that we're getting fortunate that he's pitching this great right now because he's more of an average major league starting pitcher. And let's see if we can get somebody to give us something. That is more like, hey, we're trading for a good number two or a or a low number one type of starting pitcher. Yeah, and I wonder uh, who do you think you get more, Cole Hamels or you Darvish? And now you know, it's I think a, one it, thing that goes into play with the Hamels thing is the contract. I mean, yeah. he's he costs more, so maybe you know, if you're going to have the contract come off the books, maybe that diminishes what you can get in a prospect return if yeah. you're willing to pay a little bit of that contract. Which because it's just one year left, I could see the Rangers saying, all right, you know, we'll. We'll still pay 50% of the contract if it improves their prospect return. I, I would say, I'm going to get specific here. The Dodgers would rather want you, Darvish, because they have Clayton Kershaw. The Boston Red Sox would rather want you, Darvish, because they have Chris Sale and David Price. Yeah. So when you're looking at the lefty-righty thing, if you're the New York Yankees, I don't know if they're really in the market to trade a lot for a starting pitcher. They need one, but I, I that would be a tough one to decide which one would they want more. Um, but I would say kind of two of the teams that I would think of that would that would go after a Rangers starting pitcher that's at the top of, of their list, I think they would rather have Darvish. Yeah. But I think you'd get a similar package. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I'd say that, you know, if the Yankees were to trade for Hamels or Darvish, we probably wouldn't be jacked up about the return because I get the sense the Yankees have tried to double double bolster their bullpen to protect against not being able to make a significant upgrade in their rotation because they don't like the cost of starters uh, right now. So, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, you know, one guy, and let's just have the conversation, Mike, because people have asked about him. 
The guy who might be able to bring back the most in return is a guy who's not going to get traded, and that's Adrian Beltre. I don't want him to get traded, and I don't think he's going to get traded. But I do think if Adrian Beltre had 3,000 hits already, it would perhaps be a different discussion. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that he's still chasing 3,000 hits being a reason why you're not going to trade him. There is, first of all, let's just consider this. They're the fans. A ton of fans would be so upset if the Rangers traded Adrian Beltre away and they didn't get that moment, which, by the way, isn't just one moment on that day. It's something that we would celebrate when we discuss Rangers history for years. We'll be on every montage. We'll be on, you know, pictures all over. It'll be like when Raphael Palmero did it. Well, yeah, there are reasons (laughs) why that's not celebrated as much. But there's also financial. There's a tremendous financial gain. There's a financial gain uh, behind him chasing 3,000. There's a financial gain behind merchandise that celebrates that. And you know what? If Adrian Beltre goes in the Hall of Fame as a Ranger, that helps the Rangers. And I think hitting 3,000 with the Rangers could certainly add to that that case for him to go in as a Ranger. And here's the other thing, too. Now let's talk about the baseball side. There is great value of having Adrian Beltre around. You are a young team with your a good chunk of your future already on the Major League roster. This is not a situation like the Chicago White Sox where a good chunk of their future lives in single-A, double-A, triple-A, or the just recently recalled Yohan Moncada. Gallo, Odor, Mazzara. All right, next year, maybe Trevino. A good chunk of your future exists right here. And I think that having Adrian Beltre, even if it's just for another year, like at this point next year and the Rangers aren't in it, Adrian Beltre probably will be shot. Yeah. But I think the extra year's worth of time with these guys can be a benefit. Uh, the risk is that Adrian yeah. Beltre is only getting older, and maybe he's not as valuable. Maybe he's not as sexy to other teams next year. But, man, I, I just I understand that he could bring back a good a good bit, but I do think there's tremendous value in keeping Adrian Beltre around. And maybe that's me I- being... No, I'm with you. You know, ridiculous fan. I'm with you. Uh, I think that uh, especially Nomar and Odor and Gallo can can use the help of Beltre. I'm going to ask you a tough question since you just brought it up. Yeah. Do you think the Rangers can ever get back to the playoffs with Gallo, Odor, and Mazzara being the leaders of the team, being the best players? Because when I look at them and I look at other young guys that are 25 and younger in Major League Baseball, you go to the Dodgers, how awesome they are, and Bellinger and Seager – our guys really aren't doing what other guys under 25 are doing that are considered future leaders of teams, future all-stars of teams. So I'm, I'm just, I want to throw it out there. Maybe I'm wrong, but those are the three main guys that come into my head. Can Gallo, Mazzara, and Odor be the leaders of the next good Texas Rangers team? So I think Odor's batting average can improve, but I don't see him being a 300 hitter. I think Gallo's batting average can improve, but I don't see him consistently being a 260 hitter. Uh, I think Nomar Mazar's batting average can improve, and maybe he could be a 300 hitter. But I think those guys are awesome guys to have in your lineup. I think I still need one more. I need I need a guy who can sit in that three spot. And Nomar Mazar has done a fine job. You there. need the next Juan Gonzalez. I, yeah, I need I need one and more. No, none of these guys are anywhere close to Juan Gonzalez, Pudge Rodriguez. You know, type of guys. And right. I know I'm going back. They didn't win a World Series, but when I know what you're saying. There's you know, no oh, listen, Josh Hamilton. There, yeah, there's not a Josh right. Hamilton in that. There's bunch. not there's, a Michael Young. There, no, there's not. I, you know, none of these guys are all stars this year. And and maybe you know, Rugi becomes an all star. Maybe Mazar becomes an all star. 
But I think these are great guys to have, and I think it's a great start. I think yeah. I think they're a big reason why the Rangers don't need to go in. If the Rangers do sell, they don't need to then enter a five-year rebuild period. Yeah, uh, And I think those guys are a big part of it. And obviously their growth plays a big role. Nomar Mazar is 22. Rugi's 23. Uh, you know, th- these guys are young. Joey Gallo's 23. I think yeah. that's really exciting. Okay. So I do think there's improvement. Yeah. But I also am not going to sit here and say that they don't need to add another bat for the middle of the order. And Maybe I, a more consistent no, batting yeah. average bat. Oh, good. I wanted to just throw that out there because i just been thinking about that last night after, you know, another loss and another, you know, just can't hit the ball well. Another thing that I'm really thinking about here, and I'm not trying to pick on Nomar Mazzara. I do like him as a future player, but as a future designated hitter. I'm pretty tired of watching Chu and Mazzara play outfield, both of them. Um, they're both DHs. And one of them, I can say, well, he's a DH because he's 30-something years old. But my 22-year-old, I think, is a future DH and is probably a right-now DH the rest of his career. What do you do about that for the future? Because... The pitching has been good this year, the starting pitching. The bullpen has obviously been inconsistent. There's probably been, and I'm maybe I'm exaggerating here, Jared, there's probably been 30 baseballs that an average outfield would have caught that our outfield cannot catch. It's a base hit. It's a double. We give up the most base hits in the outfield based on our coverage of defense out there, our lack of range. So what do you do about that? Because I can't imagine any time in the near future a Chu Mazzara outfield can win something because eventually there's going to be a ball in a big playoff series if you get good enough to do this again that they can't catch. And it's going to happen again and again and again, and you're going to lose, and you're going to say, kind of like the Detroit Tigers a little bit different in the mid-2000s uh, or late 2000s when they lost with Fielder and Cabrera on the corners in the World Series. It was a pathetic defense, the worst corner defense in the history of Major League Baseball going back to 1800, those two guys. I won't say that Mazzara and Chu are the worst corner defense combination in the history of baseball, but it's pretty darn bad. So what do you do about those two guys? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think moving forward you can plan on those guys being corner outfielders on a team that you expect to to really make a push. Now... You know, Chu's contract still has a few years left. Yeah. Uh, People I, have asked real quick on Twitter. Yeah. Can we put Chu in a deal? Totally impossible. 100% totally impossible, I think, to put Chu on a deal with Hamels or Darvish. Okay, but I would say that it's not impossible to put Chu on a deal by himself. And you would just, I mean, the return would be that you get rid of the contract. 50% of his money? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to, don't expect to get prospects, but maybe a team needs a, a DH or they need, maybe they have a, a good outfield and they need one out. You know, here's the deal. Mazzara and Chu can exist in an outfield in which the other two outfielders are really good. Uh, it's I, I tough. agree with that. Yeah, it's tough to exist. It's tough for More both Mazzara of them. More Mazzara than Chu. Sure, yeah. Chu, uh, by the way, used to be a good, I know it's impossible for Ranger fans to see it. I played against him 10, 12 years ago. He actually was a good defensive player when he was young. It's yeah. just... His legs, his body has totally failed him in the outfield. You know, Chu used to be a twenty stolen base a year guy too. You know, and wow. that's that, that's yeah, yeah. That's just kind of to go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, defense I think is going to be a priority. Uh, listen, I think JD and company talked about that being a priority this offseason. There was just only so much they could do, and the one area in which they could uh, they could make that decision, they did. They chose Carlos Gomez over Ian Desmond because Carlos Gomez is a better defensive center fielder. 
And remember, a big part of why they acquired Jonathan Lucroy last year is because they thought that he would help this team defensively, and that just hasn't been the case. You know, you look around, Elvis is, he's okay as a shortstop. He's not yeah. a gold glove shortstop. He's okay. Uh, Adrian Beltre is outstanding at third. Anytime the ball's hit to the left side of the field as a former pitcher, I would feel fine with the ball being hit over to that side of the field with those two guys. The other side, totally nervous about. Any fly ball in the corner outfield, totally nervous about. I would say that, you know, it, on the right side, we both agree, and this maybe is a part of our frustration, that Ruggie's got the potential to be much better defensively. I think so, too. Uh, he just hasn't. That hasn't been the case yet. But Joey Gallo's been, he's a yes. fine first baseman. He's yeah, not think, Mitch Moreland, but, you know, he's not He's he's not Prince Fielder either. I think he can develop into Chris Davis, who's yeah. a very good defensive first baseman. Um, gosh, I forget where I was uh, about to go. Let but. me ask you this, randomly. Because you brought this up last year, and I thought it was yeah. an interesting point. You asked about Nomar Mazzara playing first. Now, the yeah. Rangers have Joey Gallo, and they also have Ronald Guzman, who might move Joey Gallo to the outfield if Ronald Guzman can hit. But let's just take Ronald Guzman out of the equation, who's in AAA right now. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who will get a shot at the major league level, maybe in September, maybe next year. But do you think the Rangers would be better off if Joey Gallo was a corner outfielder and Nomar Mazzara was a first baseman two years from now? Because yes. I, I do too. Yes. I, I actually think Joey Gallo could be in, you know, not a great corner outfielder, but I think he could be a an above average corner outfielder. Nomar has a good arm. It's actually been a bad arm this year. I don't know what happened to Oh, well, it's not arm. an accurate arm. Yeah. It's, it's a strong arm. Yeah. But I felt like last year he even threw the ball more accurate. This year he's gotten worse at throwing the ball in the outfield. Um Joey runs a lot faster than Mazzara, so he's gonna cover a lot more ground and he does have a better arm. So I'm not trying to, to – Nomar doesn't have a bad arm. He probably has an above-average arm in the outfield, but Gallo even has a better arm right. than Nomar and can cover more ground. So I think if you're looking at just those two guys without Ronald Guzman in the mix, I would say, Nomar, you're never playing outfield again the rest of your life after this season is over, and we're going to put you at first base designated hitter. And Joey, for right now, you're going to keep practicing third base because Beltre doesn't have much time here but you're also going to practice right field because we're going to make you next year in 2018 our everyday right fielder. Yeah, you know, I think it's an interesting – I guess it's an interesting question. Yeah. All right, we oh, got – oh, go ahead. Real quick, I read this on Bo Porter, who used to be the manager of the Houston Astros, yeah. and this was on Jose Altuve. And Jose Altuve got his new contract. It's not as big as uh, Odor's, but it was a while back, so it's similar, right? And he comes in, and he's wearing a new watch, and he's playing bad. He's not hustling like he used to hustle. He's not playing the game like he used to play. And he goes into Bo Porter's office, and he's like, yeah, I got this watch. And I guess they had a really good relationship. And Bo Porter said to Jose Altuve, and this was the wake-up call to Altuve to get back to who he was, he said, you know what? I like the Altuve before the, before the contract. And Altuve was kind of stunned, and they had a conversation and just said, yeah, I like the Altuve who wasn't coming in here with new clothes and new watches and bragging about that. I like the guy who who played the game as hard as you could possibly play. And I don't know or think or I'm just throwing that out with Odor. New contract. It even happened to Jose Altuve, and I think they're kind of close because of Venezuela. Yeah. I just wonder if there's a little bit of Odor. Um, I, I, I think – that maybe Odor's a little bit content right now because a guy that like Jose Altuve, who is an awesome player, one of the best in the American League, he even fell into the trap of contentment. I'll tell you this, and I can only tell you what I see in the period of time that I'm, you know, I'm able to see what's going on, is that I I don't see a, a content rookie. Right. I see a very 
upset at himself, Rugi, who I know it's tough for people to believe because, you know, some people think it's incredibly easy just to flip a switch and make adjustments. Uh, and maybe you can speak to, to how that's just not the case. I think Rugi understands what his challenges have been. And I think Rugi, I actually spoke to, um, I spoke to a teammate of Rugi's yesterday. And we, we didn't even bring up Rugi. Uh, but this guy kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say he went out of his way, but he brought up uh, Rugi and just how hard he's been working. He's like, you know, the, basically the, the angle of it was, gosh, I just really hope Rugi can't this figured out because he's been working his tail off to try it. You know, and, I, and the idea was more that he just feels the weight of this contract. Yeah. And so I, but I don't know. No, you know yeah. I, I, I'll be honest with this. I, I have zero fashion sense. Clo- right. You could wear like a $700 polo today, and I wouldn't have the slightest clue. Right. So Rugi might be walking in with, with more clothes. I know he bought yeah. a car. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm not yeah. going to. So I, I don't know. But that's, that's, it's, listen, it's just, that's interesting. Yeah, just to hear a guy like Jose Altuve. Uh, Who you would never expect right, that from. Right, struggled yeah. with the money. Yeah, no, that's interesting. All right, we got, you saw, we got yeah. a lot of questions. Let's go through some of these. Uh I'll try to go in order here. I'm scrolling on Twitter. You can always send us questions, by the way, at Sandler J on Twitter for me, at Mike Bassick on Twitter for Mike. Okay, so here's the first one. Uh, okay, this is an interesting question from Michael. He wants to know about Delino losing playing time. Yeah. And Delino, I think I saw this the other day when he starts the team's eight games over 500. He's actually had a good batting average against both righties and lefties. His OPS is much higher against lefties, but I think he's hitting like 280 something against righties. And you know what? Delino's not a tremendous outfielder, but he would make the outfield a little bit better, too. So I guess that's an interesting question. I'd play him every day in left field the rest of this month. I don't care who's pitching. Uh, I'm tired of watching the corner outfielders play the way they're playing. And he has a horrible arm, one of the worst in Major League Baseball. He doesn't get good jumps on balls, but he has a lot of speed out there, so his bad jumps at times can... He can make up for it by being able to run down a baseball, which Nomar and Chu can't do. So I'm for the rest of this month playing Delino every day. Who do you want to see get fewer at-bats then in that equation? Because they, it's either yeah. Napoli, Chu, or Right Mazzara. now, Mazzara. Okay. And you think? But they can switch, and I can, I can uh, also switch with Napoli and Gallo. Let uh, me ask you this. Napoli, the Rangers sell, but Napoli does not get traded. Yeah. Do you still want Mazzara as the guy who loses the bats? Because I would at that, at that point, point say. Yeah, I'm okay. with you. At that point, I'd say no. Mazzara is going to have to get as many at bats and figure it out. But for the rest of this month, if they're truly going to see if they can still compete in the wild card, um, I'm going to sit down Mazzara because he's having some horrible at bats. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, I think he's four for his last 28. All right. Uh, this from Jason. Give us your best logical return for you. Is Walker Buehler a possibility? He's uh, the Dodgers' top pitching prospect. That. Unless the Dodgers have a total pants going crazy for the idea of being able to recruit you, Darvish, for two months, I just don't see that being a, a, a realistic return. He is not just their top pitching prospect, but one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. Would you do one for one there? If I'm selling, absolutely. Okay. Oh, my gosh, yeah. If, if, okay. if I'm selling and they say we'll do that, oh, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. because Today? Yeah, you know what? That might be the, that. In all honesty, with the team now four games under, that's the deal okay. that I would maybe pull the trigger on. Because now you got Bueller, maybe you get Otani, and let's just say you do get Otani. My rotation for the next six years, built around those two guys, with maybe Cole Reagan's coming a few years later. I mean that that's how you develop a really good rotation. And then we have a Bueller, and then you have a, yeah, I think it's Bueller, but oh dang, it. but see though, know, I whatever. Okay, uh, but as far as like 
return for you. I still think that you can get one of the team's top two pitching prospects. But that's relative because your top uh, top two pitching prospects might right. be way better than my top two. I don't think you get both. I think you get one. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe some fringe prospects beyond that. But as we talked about, and Mike, you know how this plays out. When a team gets desperate, a three-game losing streak at the wrong time, an injury at the wrong time, that all of a sudden can change things. Yeah. All of a sudden, the Houston Astros are kind of connected in rumors to possibly getting a shortstop for maybe a short-term yeah. type of situation. All right, David wants to know, how's the entire offense off? Not just a few <laughs> players, but all live and die by the homers, cold bats going nowhere. And I, I'd say that you know David brings up a fair point with the home runs. I think when you've got a lineup that is so centered around home runs, nearly 50% of their runs on the home run ball, and we saw this with the, la- the Astros last year, uh, you are going to have a streaky offense. It's just crazy that it's the second time this year when eight guys in the lineup are slumping. Yeah, real quick, Eric Burns on MLB Network. He's like really the one of the only honest guys at times when he talks <laughs> about his approach. He said, "Yes, every time I swung a bat, I was trying to hit a home run. I yeah. didn't care the situation. I didn't care the count. I was trying to hit a home run every time the bat left my shoulder." I think Napoli is trying to hit a home run every time the bat leaves his shoulder. And hey, he's the only one who's actually hitting well right now. I know. So's Gallo. I think Odor, unfortunately, that can change and should change, but he's trying to hit a home run every time he swings the bat. Uh, Carlos Gomez, for the most part, is trying to hit a home run every time the bat leaves his shoulder. And when you do that, you can have pretty good home run numbers, but you're going to super slump as a team when you have four or five guys in your lineup that every time the bat leaves their shoulder, no matter what the pitch, no matter what the location, no matter what the situation, they're trying to hit the ball 420 feet. It's an approach. Guys have that approach. You just only can have one or two guys in your lineup, though, with that approach. And that's why it's such a bad slump. Yeah. You know, that's it. Listen, there, there's no, it's not a coincidence. And, and, and I'll say this before I go into my Astros thing here. You can strike out a lot and have a really good offense. You know, the Rangers third in the American League and runs yeah. per game. You can, you can have a good offense. Uh, strikeouts are not the only reason why this offense has been inconsistent. However, uh, I think the more you can improve upon that, the better your chances are for consistency and success in October. Yeah. And especially with all these strikeout guys at the end of games, I think it improves your abilities in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Astros this year have gone from one of the easiest teams to strike out to one of the hardest teams to strike out, and their offense has taken a step and a half forward. Yeah. All right, David also wants to know, uh, you're the GM, you go 500 or below, what are you doing? Sell or buy for the wild card? What actual pieces are you looking to move? So let's just answer the we've, – we've kind of addressed the first part of that. Pieces you're looking to move. Lucroy, tell me if I'm missing anyone. Lucroy and, – and when I say looking to move, you are taking calls on Lucroy, Napoli, Gomez, Kashner, I guess Ross, Hamels, Darvish, any reliever. Yeah, I'm taking calls also, and I don't think teams are going to be – going to blow you away. I would take calls on Mazzara. Okay, interesting. Interesting. You, yeah, you would have to get blown away for that, though, right? Yeah, because I'm not going to just, I'm not, I'm selling saying, well, you know, if, if you need a young outfielder that you really like, um, I would say, okay, uh, maybe I'm getting something back that I really like and I can move forward because I do think there is a, a problem with Ronald Guzman, Nomar Mazzara, and Joey Gallo all in the same organization. And so if I can move one of them, I would move one of them, but only if I'm getting a good deal. All right, this is an interesting question from Andrew. Could you see the Rangers dealing Lucroy and you and still competing for a wild card spot this year? And the reason it's interesting is that Lucroy has not really been a big difference maker, and the Rangers are 8-12 and when you start. I would say this. The Rangers 
would not have the chance, in my opinion, to trade you if they traded you to make a run in the playoffs. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that unequivocally we know that they wouldn't be able to hang around if they traded those two and got bullpen help and got two or three quality relievers. But, but Yeah, it's not in 2015 they did it without yeah. uh, catching that was hitting and they did it without, without uh, Darvish. Darvish. But it would be highly unlikely because you would not be improving your defense at all. You would not be improving your offense at all. And then... I just I can't. It'd be the, tough to see the re, the reason why. Like logically, I don't think it would work out. Is because if they're trading you, they're probably not getting bullpen help. Right. They're probably. They're, sorry. Let me backtrack. If they're trading you, they're definitely not trading him for bullpen help. Right. If they are trading you, they are probably not. Then in addition, going out and trying to get bullpen help. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got a question here from Robert. Any chance they become sellers? Uh, any chance they become sellers? They try and attach the chewer fielder contract. Uh, we kind of talked about yeah. that. Don't think the fielder think contract at all. Yeah, and Chu, I think I could come to you if you need a, a corner outfielder or a DH, and I'd say, hey, we'll give you Chu. You need to take 75% of the deal, and all we want is some A-ball a prospect who's not even really a prospect, and maybe a team would consider that. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, all right, let me see here. Okay, Jonathan wants to know, could Darvish to the Dodgers for Alex Verdugo and either Mitchell White or Dennis Santana be a possibility? I'll, I'll handle that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Alex Verdugo's a, a position player. Uh, I don't think the Dodgers would be willing to give up two top prospects like that, and I think the type of return the Rangers want for Darvish is a pitcher first. I think I think they're more interested in getting a pitcher than they are a position player prospect. I wonder what you could get from the Dodgers if you traded them Hamels and Darvish. That's an interesting question. I think a, a package like that is, is more realistic at that point. Uh, all right, Jonathan wants to know, as a follow-up, could trading Darvish to a team he chooses that is a World Series contender and then re-signing him as a free agent still a possibility? I, I guess there's no real way of knowing. The question is essentially, can the Rangers do what the Yankees did with Chapman last year, trade him away and bring him back? I, I don't think that trading him away prevents the Rangers from, or from signing him in the offseason, but I guess you just never know. It's like if we're dating Mike and we've been dating for three years and we want to go on a break and our intention is to get back together – but you meet someone who's just way better than I am, which is probably going to happen, uh, then, you know, that you just, you never know. So what if Darvish gets traded to any team and he falls in love with that team, that market? And, and I'll say, here's the risk. If Darvish gets traded, he's getting traded to a contender. And we always talk about how people are happier when you're winning. You're not trading him to a bad situation. You're going to be trading him to a good situation. You're going to be trading him to a situation where he's a part of a playoff run. And so you just never know how a player is going to react to that, I guess. Yeah, um, I think if they trade him, then I would say it's highly unlikely. Heck, I think it's highly unlikely even if they don't trade him. So yeah. I just I can't see Darvish being in a Rangers uniform next year, but maybe I'm totally off on that. Yeah, no, that that's fair. All right, that's going to do it for us unless you have any final thoughts. No, I mean, hey, maybe they win the last four games on this road trip and we totally change our mind. But yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Sports, great reality TV. Things where crazy things can happen. He's Mike. I'm Jared. Thanks for joining us on the Halloween Com podcast.